Welcome to the CGOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we talk to Leah Hextall as the Jets are in the All-Star break and their players break and things. They're not going very well. So we talk about the future of Paul Maurice, Dustin Bufflin's impact in all of this, and what to expect down the stretch for the team. Also talk to Carson Lambos of the Winnipeg Ice as the team is finishing up almost a month-long homestand. He's from Winnipeg. He must have liked sleeping in his own bed. Finally, Bill Johnson, Executive Director of Football Manitoba, stops by to talk about the spring season of flag football coming up. That's all on the podcast. So, Lee, if I told you right before the season started that at the All-Star break, the Winnipeg Jets would be 25-22-4 and and three points out of a playoff spot, what would you have said? I'd say that that's exactly where I expected them to be. Christian, I spoke about this. You know, earlier this week on my Hexon Hockey, this Jets team is at best a fringe playoff team. And that was the expectation going in at the beginning of the season. And the fact of the matter is that they have overachieved to this point. And now we're seeing a team that has four wins in its last 15 games, has been riddled by the injury bug, doesn't have a defense that can compete in the NHL, and a team that is putting all the onus on their goaltender, Connor Hellebuck, who has put together a Vesna-caliber season, but the load is getting too much, and a backup that isn't playing the way he did last season when he comes in in relief. You have talented up front. You have good players, but it's just not enough to be that contender of the St. Louis Blues or the Colorado Avalanche, you know, one of those elite teams within the Western Conference who play that consistent brand. This is the Winnipeg Jets. This is who they were going to be at the beginning of the season, and that is the expectation now, and it should be for fans going forward. And I'm actually pretty impressed that they've been in the playoff picture for as long as they have until now. I think most of us thought that, and I've thought, I've been in line with you the whole way on this. I think probably people thought this and then November happened and they win 10 games mm-hmm. and all of a sudden they get their hopes up. And now it's been a, just a plummet back to reality over the last really month and a bit now since they lost to Carolina on December 17th. They have just five wins. But I guess this is the nature of a, a re, it's not a rebuild, right? It's just, what do you, what do you call this with the defense they have this year? You call this a team that went to a place where they were, what, a couple wins away from going to a Stanley Cup final and could have probably won the Cup if they would have got there past Vegas because they could have probably beat Washington. And they're just right up against the cap. This is what happens when teams get good. The system now in the NHL with the cap era does not reward the draft and build model that the Jets have done so well. They have drafted the players. They have drafted strong. They've built them into these great players, but then you got to pay them. And in this draft era with this salary or in the salary cap era, it's really difficult to keep all these players, but the Jets aren't the only team that faces this. Look what's going on with the Leafs right now. They did the exact same thing. Dumas put all of his team's money in his stars up front, you know, in the, Austin Matthews, the William Nylanders of the world, and the uh, Mitch Marners. Well, that's exactly what Kevin Shoveldayoff did by keeping all of his talented forwards and, you know, having all these players. And, you know, the fact is Mark Shesley's on one of the best deals I've ever seen. But they both have teams that did that and let their defense suffer for it. And maybe the lesson that we're learning here is that defense wins champions. Because if you can't defend in this league, it doesn't matter how many goals you put in because you're letting go of too many on that back end. 
And one of the things that nobody foresaw going into the training camp was the whole Dustin Bufflin situation. We don't really know what's going to happen with that. I don't know if the Jets know what's going to happen with that. Does it matter for this team this year whether or not he comes back? Well, it only matters because it could give them some cap space, you know, if he doesn't and he retires and they could have that money to maybe play with a little bit at the deadline. Um, And, you know, it also matters because if he came back and could he be a trade piece? But, you know, you're talking about a player that we all know Dustin Bufflin's stature. And the fact is, when was the last time he skated? You know, I mean, no one knows what's going on with him. And he was a player that came into training camp this year not ready to go because he really didn't want to. So with a man like that, how long is it going to take him to get in NHL caliber shape? A little bit. You know, the fact is, though, I'm I'm saying this to people as much as I spoke about how strong of a player and a game changer I believe Dustin Bufflin is. I don't think he changes what the Jets are. Bufflin or no Bufflin, this team would be a little bit better. Uh, But, you know, they still lost a lot on their back end. They lost a lot by not having Brandon Tanis here to play on the penalty kill. Like, they lost a lot of really good players in the offseason. And that happens to teams. But that's a personnel decision. And, and, you know, I think the one thing that I've been hearing a lot is, you know, what are they going to do with Maurice? In my opinion... And I think it should be everyone's opinion, quite frankly. This coaching staff, with what they've had and the injuries that they've suffered, has done an excellent job of getting results. This is a personnel issue. You can only do what you can. You can only coach to a certain point. So you need, to me, the finger should be pointed at the general manager with the pieces of the puzzle that are in. He made the decision to make sure he locked it as forwards. I'm not saying that's wrong, but look what the result is. So, But the fact is, is that, you know, The general manager has a couple bullets, and one of them is the coach. And right now with Paul Maurice and his entire staff having their contracts at the end of this year, it would cost the Jets no money if they wanted to make a coaching change with several elite coaches on the market right now. But the fact is, is that that's not going to change this season. So do you make that move or not? I don't know. But this is, you know, I don't think Dustin Bufflin would have been the solution to this season, but it did obviously, as we know, hinder them uh, in several ways when you're a team that's right up against the cap. It would have been nice to have that seven mil available to you. You can drive yourself crazy by reading all the replies to tweets and whatnot. It, it, Jets Nation and all sports fans get, you know, real feisty and angry online. And oftentimes the first thing to say is fire the coach, fire the coach. But realistically, if the Winnipeg Jets did fire Paul Maurice, I'm not saying it's going to happen. I don't think it will happen. How would the Jets benefit from firing Paul Maurice? And that's the big question. The only thing about it right now is this, is that, you know, under Maurice, this franchise since its return to Winnipeg, and, and quite frankly, probably even including the Atlanta days, it's had its most success. I mean, you know, we just talked about the fact going to the Western Conference Final and losing to Vegas and being right on the doorstep of the Stanley Cup Final. But there does come a time for every organization where have, has this coach got the most out of the players here? And perhaps that's the case. I really don't know. But I would suggest I, I don't know how it would benefit. The only thing I can say is that you do have a coach right now, which no one expected in Gerard Gallant to be on the market. And if there's one individual that could come into this organization and do as good of a job and who knows, maybe a little bit better, I would say it would be Gerard Gallant. But I agree with you, Christian. I don't think it really benefits them. I, I don't think it's a coaching thing. I, I think Maurice is going to stick around. 
I would say, though, that we could possibly maybe see a shakeup with the assistants. Now, I don't know how that works because I know how loyal Maurice is, and I know that these are his guys. But with the personnel and no magic wand to fix it in one offseason, maybe bring in one or two players, you know, this is a tough market to bring free agents to. Let's not get it twisted. Detroit, Winnipeg, they have a lot of struggle getting free agents to want to sign here when they have to compete with, you know, the L.A.s of the world, even though L.A. is at the bottom of the barrel. It doesn't matter. People want to go there. They want to go to New York. But it'll be interesting to me to see, you know, what happens, you know, maybe perhaps with the assistance this offseason if this entire coaching staff comes back next year. So what about this then? Is there any chance the Winnipeg Jets could be sellers at the trade deadline? You know, it's funny, Kristen, I was just thinking about that today. I was saying they're going, okay, they come back and they go through Death Valley when they return from the All-Star game. We're talking about Boston, the Blues twice, and Nashville. I mean, you know, talk about a return when you're already struggling. So if they come in, they don't do well in those games, and say suddenly they're eight, nine points out of a playoff spot, do they look at that mentality? But then I started to think, what could they possibly have to sell? The one thing that came to my mind is this. The Toronto Maple Leafs are desperate for a backup. Would they look at Lorraine Brassois and maybe moving him? You know, every team who's going to contend needs a good backup. But I really, you know, and then there's the Dustin Bufflin thing. If he was ready to go, maybe that might have been a situation because who knows where that relationship is at. But I don't know about you, Christian, but I really don't know who you'd be willing to trade from this team right now that would get you the type of return to make you a seller. So I, I don't see it. But, uh, you know, maybe Shovel Dave has something else up his sleeve that I just can't see. Professional Hockey Writers Association today put out their mid-season awards. Connor Hellebuck was voted the Vesna winner. I don't know when yeah. these votes were collected because he has 13 goals allowed in his last three starts. And his numbers <laughs> have definitely dropped off over the last few weeks. I mean, he's playing in front of a, a shambles def- or behind a shambles defense. But do, do you put any stock in these awards or the mid-season awards? Well, I would just agree with that. Uh, You know, I understand what you're saying. I mean, you look at how many goals the team has given up, but I truly feel that, you know, 80% of the reason that the Winnipeg Jets have been consistently in the playoff picture throughout this season is because of the play of their goaltender. How many times have we seen a first or second period where he is just under siege? I honestly think the Jets' defense is worse than we even know it is because he's hiding even more blemishes because he's playing so well. So, I mean, you, you know, to me, awards, I don't really pay that much attention to them to begin with, but I, I really think that there maybe hasn't even been given enough credit locally because nationally everyone is talking about Connor Hellebuck. The one thing I'm concerned about Christian is that I really don't think he should be at this all-star game. You know, I, I, I almost wish it'd be like, you know, an Austin Matthews type thing where I'm going to go, but I'm not going to participate because, you know, we heard Coach Maurice talk about it last night after the game, post game, just talking about the fact that this team needs rest over this all-star break. And there's no player that needs it more for the Winnipeg Jets and is more valuable to them going down the stretch here to try to make the playoffs than their goaltender. Speaking of the all-star game, you did a Hextall in hockey recently about the women's three-on-three tournament that's happening tomorrow i think for most people that's what they're looking forward to more than anything else is seeing the showcase how big a deal is this for women's hockey oh it's huge i mean christian this is you know and i said it there i mean perhaps the only other platform that's as big as being part of the nhl all-star game is an olympics i mean you think about the viewership you're going to get at this game for women's hockey i mean and as someone who's you know called play-by-play on it 
you know, the viewership on TV is, was not high. And, you know, in the NWHL, the league that's going right now, they're not even on national television. They're on a streaming service. And I'm not taking anything away from that because every opportunity is a great opportunity for exposure. But to be a part of this, with so many eyes on it, to be a part of the NHL brand, and not just to be participating in a skills competition, but to actually be playing three-on-three, which we all love, uh, you know, I believe yourself included. I think the women are going to put on a show, and I think it's important to actually see them play. I loved the skills competition last year and them being a part of it, and obviously Kendall Coyne Schofield created a virtual moment, but this was just, or pardon me, a viral moment, but to see them actually play I think is really going to open some eyes to how skilled these women are. And uh, these are the women who have been boycotting to try to get a sustainable model. And it's a great opportunity for them to push their message. Are they getting any money for this? I don't think so. Um, I, I don't know, though, for sure. I haven't read anywhere that they're receiving any money for this. I think this is just an opportunity. The NHL already does give money every year to the respective women's hockey leagues. Now there's only one professional league, so it goes to the NWHL, but it also used to give money to the Canadian Women's Hockey League. So I don't believe that they're receiving any money. Now, I was thinking, now that you bring that up to me, I know the winner of the men's three-on-three gets a million dollars, if I'm not mm. mistaken. So I wonder if the winner of the women's three-on-three could get the same. But to this point, I haven't read anything about them receiving a cash prize or any kind of money for it. But, you know, honestly, Christian, I just I just feel that, you know, they the exposure of this is really worth its weight in gold. I agree, Leah. I'm... I'm going to probably tape it and watch it after I host my show tomorrow night. It'll probably be on while I'm I'm doing my show, but I'll definitely want to go back and watch it. Good man. Because I think that's probably going to be the best part. Appreciate your time as always, and we'll check back in later in the season. All right, Christian. Thanks so much. All right, so Carson, you're nearing the end of this enormously long homestand. As a person who is from here, how nice has it been to kind of just be able to sleep in your own bed for almost a month? Yeah, it's been really good. You know, going on the road kind of plays with your sleep schedule a little bit. And, uh, you know, it's really nice to play in front of the home fans and kind of have that home ice advantage for a month. So definitely enjoying it while it lasts. Is this the longest homestand you've ever been a part of? Yeah, I think so. You don't really come by uh, homestanding just one to nine games. So pretty much an entire month, you don't really come by that very often. So you got two games coming up this weekend, Victoria Saturday, Moose Jaw Sunday. Uh, Moose Jaw is at the bottom of the division standings. Victoria is near the top of their division. What do you have to do to make sure you sweep those t- games and get out on the road on a high note? Yeah, um, these are big points for us, and we're kind of nearing that time where everything's valuable at this point, you know, kind of looking forward to playoffs. So, um, you know, these points are huge, and I think it's just – preparing the same way that we have been and uh you know i think if we uh show up and play our game and we stick to the script i think we'll have uh we have confidence that we'll have success what have you thought of your season now 38 games you got seven goals you got 19 assists what have you thought of your performance yeah i've been happy with uh my performance you know i've been able to play along some guy along some veteran guys like reese harsh and then recently uh uh, Dawson, Barto, you know, those guys have really made it easy on me and made the transition from uh, midget to, to this league uh, really good. So uh, a lot of it's credited to those guys, but you know, I've, uh, I've been happy with the way things have been going so far. 
on the topic of Bartow, when management goes out and acquires the captain of another team to sh- help on the blue line, what message does that send to your locker room? Yeah, I think it just kind of shows that they have faith in us and you know, trust that we can uh, make an impact this year. And I think everybody in our room does as well. So it's uh, certainly uh, gives you a bit of a boost and uh, it's going to really set a fire for us. You mentioned your transition to the WHL. You played five games last year, but this is really your first real season in the WHL. Have there been any learning curves, any growing pains for you at all? Yeah, I think just kind of realizing you, know, you play a lot of games in this league compared to what I'm used to from from midget. So, uh, you know, consistency and uh, being able to show up every night has uh, been a challenge, but it's uh, you know a challenge I'm happy to take on and uh, it's been it's been it's been good for the most part. And playing in your hometown has been everything you thought it would be. Yeah, it's been awesome playing at home, being able to see my uh, friends and family on the daily basis. But also, you know, it, uh, you know, just being at home is uh, is is kind of intangible. It's a uh, it's very nice for sure. Now, do you get to eat your favorite food items on a regular basis? Then, yeah, my mom uh, kind of cooks for me and, and takes care of me. So, you know, getting to get mom's, mom's cooking uh, every day is, uh, it's been awesome. What's your favorite dish? Um, she just made me beef and rice, so maybe that's it for now, but it was pretty good tonight. It sounds pretty pretty tame. Yeah, pretty, uh, pretty good, but it was uh, pretty basic, but she does a good job. Now, your birthday was recently. You turned 17 back on January 14th. Anything special for your birthday that day? Yeah, it was a, it was actually a game day, so um, we were able to uh, to win. So I guess two points was a was a special enough for for me. Nothing else. Um, yeah, we we uh, we had we had, were able to kind of celebrate a couple of days later and go out for dinner. But it was uh, it's nice to you know being at home, being able to kind of enjoy those days with family that you don't you can't usually do uh, you know if you're playing away. And that was a, a big win over Prince George in that game, too. And then you had a few days off before you played Calgary. So you, you're heading out on the road after I mentioned the, the two games coming up at home here. Starting next Wednesday, you're in Calgary, and then Red Deer Friday, and then Edmonton Saturday, February 1st. We're, are you going to be home for the Super Bowl, or do you care about that? Um, I think we play Saturday night, and then we'll get back, uh, you know, kind of don't know exactly what time, but I think uh, if we do get home, or even if we're not home, we'll find a way to watch it. So is that something most of the players are interested in getting to see? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I'm sure everybody will get together for that day. Do you care who wins? Um, not really, to be completely honest. More of a Patriots fan, and then they didn't really, didn't really make out. So uh, at this point, I'm just watching. Well, I mean, the Patriots have a good run, so it's okay to not be in the Super Bowl for once. Come on, don't be greedy. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Got to share the fame, I guess, but it's uh, lots of fun. All right, Carson, well, I appreciate your time tonight. Good luck on the, the, the end of this homestand and as you head out onto the road. Okay, awesome. Thank you. All right, we're going to turn our attention to football now and youth football as I'm joined in studio by the executive director of Football Manitoba, Bill Johnson. Bill, how are you tonight? I'm excellent. Thanks for coming in. So uh, is the winter a slow time for Football Manitoba? Because there's not a lot of actual football being played. 
Well, it depends on how you look at that. We're just wrapping up, actually, our playoffs in our indoor flag ah, football league that okay. uh, goes on at the UW RecPlex. So the playoffs are this weekend. And then uh, registration's opening up for uh, spring flag football, uh, the league we partner with the Blue Bombers in, uh, in the next uh, well, week on the 1st of February. And then tackle football registration's opened up a couple weeks after that. So behind the scenes, this is not a slow time at all. <laughs> okay. So for the players that are playing the indoor f- flag, that's a way of... Staying in game shape, I guess, throughout the off season, quote unquote. Yeah, we get uh, there's a there's a lot of kids in this province who are looking for things to do. Parents who are looking for things for the kids to do who don't play hockey. And uh, we found right. that uh, last year we started the league. Uh, we partnered with Pitt Football, a touch football league in the city, and we uh, we partnered and just started a small league. We had 270 kids, and we've grown to 400 in the wow. second year. And uh, we had to turn kids away this year just because of lack of space with the indoor facilities. So it's it's really it's booming. Kids are looking for for things to do, and flag football is a great sport. And registration is, I assume, cheaper than hockey. <laughs> well, yeah, and there's no equipment. So. You just gotta have cleats, basically. Yeah, set of cleats, and we supply everything else. Nice. So, have you in your time in being involved in football? How has flag changed the the way kids can get involved in this sport? It's uh, it's interesting, actually. I was doing. Uh, someone sent me an article today, and flag football is the fastest growing sport in the U.S. Thirty eight percent increase wow. in enrollment in the last uh, five years. So it's uh, it's really booming. It's uh, it's um, in the U.S. now. Flag football is actually bigger than tackle in terms of youth participation. That's not surprising, given yeah. the what we know about uh, what football can do to the body and your brain. Yeah, it's uh, that that that's true. There's a uh, has the potential to do. Yeah, flag is a flag is an excellent game. Uh, I would. Uh, that's another conversation. I know. Of the, the tackle football. I mean, football is. Uh, it's an evolving sport. Tackle football is an evolving sport, and making the game safer constantly. For so sure. I would, I'm, uh, I'm not about to say that kids shouldn't play. No, I know you're the executive but... <laughs> director of football Manitoba. I'm just saying that there are a lot of parents out there mm-hmm. that are afraid. They're worried. They have concerns about the violence potentially that can be involved in high levels of football and flag gives you the creativity of the offense allows you to throw and catch because that wants to throw the football around and run around a ton yeah. right and get active well flag is really cool because it, it's five aside and basically on offense you have a quarterback and then four eligible receivers even the center is eligible so it's uh for a lot of kids, they just want to be involved all the time, right? They want to they want to be, get that chance to make that toe tap in the end mm-hmm. zone touchdown grab, and this this flag football gives them that every kid on the field has a chance to do that. So it's it's really cool in that regard, and it's just it's a fast paced game. It's 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 a lot of fun. I'd never seen flag before. I started with football Manitoba two and a half years ago, and I have two kids at home. And they both play now. They love the games. Mm-hmm. I remember playing flag in elementary school. I think grade, grade seven eight. We had a tournament. This would have been you know like oh five oh six. And, you know, it was small town Ontario, so we're no good, but it was so much fun getting out there and and being able to play because where I grew up until you were in high school, there was no football. Obviously, it's different in a place like Winnipeg, but it also gives people who may not want to get involved in a a club football or the because it is more expensive to play tackle football than it is flag football. It is. Yeah. So it's an option for people Mm -hmm. that just want to get involved in some way. Yeah, and it's uh, it's a great chance. We we have a good percentage of kids who are out there who are tackle players who just want to come out and work on some skills, have some fun with some buddies. Last season, for instance, in the Winter Flag League, my son and a bunch of his he plays at the Valor Patriots Pee Wee team, and he uh, he got a bunch of his defensive and offensive line buddies, and they nice. put a team in. And the, 
a bunch of bigger kids running around out there having a great time. I don't think they won a game, but they had a great time <laughs> smiling every week. And that's awesome. So we see a lot of that. And then the other half of the kids, we have we have a bunch of kids who just love flag football, and that's what they want to play. So it's uh, it's kind of a really neat mix. And and flag our league, um, the Blue Bomber Futures League that we run in the spring is uh, is really neat because we have. We have boys and we have girls and we have kids as young as seven. We have kids as old as 17. And it's a real chance for the football community to come together in uh, in the greatest sense where you can have everyone there. So it's, it's kind of neat. How are they broken up division-wise based on age? They are, yeah. So we have, we have some mixed-gender teams. We have some all-boys teams, some all-girls teams. And uh, so they're broken up into one-year age groups. So the, uh, the 06s are together and the 07s are together, for instance. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have some all-girls teams and uh, – they have a great time playing against all the boys' teams. Once again, they may not do the greatest all the time, but they have a great time with it, and it's a lot of fun. Well, and one of the factors uh, of, of why a lot of women aren't playing football, part of it is the, the physical development as it as you get through the teenage years. But when you're looking at 9, 10, 11, 12-year-olds, it's about speed. Yeah, and it's amazing how many kids come out to flag and they love it so much and then they choose to try tackle. Mm. They just love the game so much. And we have the MGFA here in Winnipeg is uh, it, in Manitoba. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a huge league for girls okay. and it's, it's, one, it's leading in the country in that regard. So it's really a, a neat opportunity for girls here that they don't have other places. Talking with Bill Johnson, Executive Director of Football Manitoba. You mentioned the Winnipeg Blue Bombers as part of this spring league. How are they involved in this? Well, the biggest thing, the thing that uh, that the public sees when they sign up for this league is that our opening weekend, it takes place at IG Field, right down oh, there wow. on the turf. So the kids have a great time with that. And then uh, then championship weekend, same thing. So the kids who make it to their championship games, and we divide the divisions out into several different levels. So there's, uh, there's a, a lot of teams that play that weekend, and that, that takes place at IG Field as well. And it's a, it's a great time playing down there on the field. In our winter flag league this year, we had... Uh, uh, Wade Miller is actually involved. He coaches a team in the oh, league, cool. and uh, he showed up at one of our one of our weekends and just brought the great cup with him. So that was kind of a neat thing. So yeah. <laughs> a neat perk this year, <laughs> yeah. and hopefully for yeah. more years to come. Yeah, it was only I guess it was the Saturday following the great cup win. So people were uh, it was fresh. Yeah, yeah still on a pretty great cup high around the city. So it was pretty neat. Pretty neat experience. So uh, if people want to enroll their kids in this, when do they have to do this by? Uh, registration opens February first. Okay. And then the league runs in May and June. So the first weekend of May would be the uh, the last chance to get yourself registered. We recommend you do it sooner. Like I said, we turned kids away from winter flag just because we reached capacity. For spring flag, teams fill up fast, and then we're scrambling at the last second. So get your name in as quick as you can. Is all the action in spring outdoors? It is, yeah. So you you can get a little volatile then weather-wise in May and June in Winnipeg. <laughs> it can. It can. We've been lucky. The, last year we actually started with snow on the ground, but for the most part the season was fantastic. I think we had one monsoon two years ago mm-hmm. that kind of rained us out. But for the most part, I mean, it's football. We play in all conditions. So they get out there and uh, you'll see kids playing in hoodies and uh, long pants because it's uncomfortable. But, hey, it's part of being a Winnipegger, right? Absolutely. And uh, is anything with tackle football going on? Yeah, tackle football registration. We actually have a new program. Um, it's kind of, we're kind of excited about it. It's uh, we're calling it Spring Sixes, and it's an opportunity for kids who are are U twelve and U fourteen to come out and uh, and try tackle football if they haven't before, or for kids who are playing to come out and work on some skills in an indoor setting. And that registration's on our website at footballmanitoba.com. So it's kind of a kind of a neat thing to do it in small side. It's minimal contact. It's basically just skill development. That's what we're doing with these kids. We don't want the kids. As you know, football's evolving. We don't want these kids taking extra hits. and They don't need to. So we work on skill development. We work on technique and things like that and uh, and conditioning. So it's uh, it's good for the kids. And then, of course, our leagues, the MGFA, the MMFA, 
the registration for those leagues will be opening up towards the end of uh, February, in the spring. In the spring, they'll be opening up. MGFA plays a spring schedule, so uh, so you'll see in the next month or so, those uh, those teams will be looking for registration as well, and I would suggest you get out to your club and sign up. So spring six is, it's six on six, you got a quarterback and some receivers, basically? Yeah, it's twice. It's almost a, like flag in, in pads. It is. It's actually... Uh, it's a it's a concept that I wish I could say I came up with the idea, but they run it in Saskatoon and it's really successful. Okay. It's a, they run it as a six on six league. Actually, we're not looking to go quite to that extreme. We're looking at more skill development things. So we'll put the kids in in small sided teams, six aside, and they they get to work on some skills and things like that. And then we'll do some mini games. Uh, we'll do it shootout style, thirty five yard line in overtime, that similar to overtime in the CFL or college, where they uh, they'll just uh, try and score from the thirty five yard line and uh, get to play. Red zone offense, which everyone loves. That's a lot of fun. All right, Bill, well, I appreciate you coming in tonight, and uh, good luck with all this. Thank you very much. I just uh, want to mention uh, flag football. You can sign up, flagmanitoba.com, February 1st. Check it out. All right, that's Bill Johnson, Executive Director of Football Manitoba. Tune in to the CGOB Sports Show weeknights from 7 to 9 with me, Christian O'Mell, or you can download the podcast on iTunes. It's actually on iTunes now. Wow. If you got an Android, then I think you're out of luck. But Apple products, you're good. So listen to the podcast. Please subscribe. You can rate it. What's the worst that could happen?